Well, Oregon football has got several returners going into 2023, and the guys who will be the most improved primarily come on the defensive side of the ball. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. Big shout out to all of you who have done so. Big shout out to my man, Ryan Winter, for coming back on the pod. He's Sports Chat 503 on YouTube and on Twitter. He is the photo getter extraordinaire. Just go through his Twitter feed. He's got selfies with Phil. He's got them with Dan Lanning. He's got them. I mean, just like go down the list. He gets them all. We love having him here on the pod. Ryan, my man, how we doing? Fantastic. Let's do this thing, man. Let's I love this. do it. So I've got two of the three. This question came in from Nick, by the way. You can always be a part of the mailbag, YouTube comments, Twitter, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Nick asks, so we kind of live in the hypothetical and prediction realm this time of year. Indeed, we do. Just for fun. Fast forwarding to the end of the season, which three players, either side of the ball, he said any, but I think it's either, unless we're looking at special teams. I suppose he could have gone with Camden, Camden Lewis. Any side of the ball will be the most improved and why. I will start, and I'm looking at what guys did in 2022 to what I think they will be in 2023 by the time the season comes to a close. I got two of these players on the defensive side of the ball, and I've got one on the offensive line. I'll start my number one guy who I think will be most improved from last year, Ryan. I am buying Triquez Bridges stock. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, on a steady climb last year, you know, on an island, a lot of people maybe took kind of uh, advantage of him early, and uh, he kind of stopped that later on. I thought he played great in the Holiday Bowl. Uh, Super smart guy, very funny, uh, really great teammate, guy who people love to be around. I think that's just as much what you bring to the table uh, in game situations uh, on the defense, especially the secondary. Uh, he just got his it factor. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with that. Completely love that. I love that pick. Yeah, uh, my, for- my reasoning with, with Triquez is that he's in line to probably get a lot of playing time, which you have to have because you're not going to yes. get better if you don't have an yes. opportunity. Last year, from the start of the season to the end of the year, he showed a lot of growth. His position coach is still there. Demetrius Martin, of course, Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy are both there on the defensive side of the ball as well. So he's got coaching continuity. He improved over the course of last season, meaning something kind of gelled with the scheme and the coaches. And now he's got a full offseason with them, you know, in spring football right now. And I also just look at, you know, the potential that that he does have, right? Six foot three, good athlete. I think he's a good tackler, you know, where he needs to improve the most is in man-to-man coverage. And I just saw so much growth there. And and here's the other thing, Ryan, the Ducks are going to need him to step up <laughs> because you don't have Gonzo. I don't really know what to expect from Kyrie Jackson for, for the defensive backs group, who I'm going to talk about later this week. And I think that you look at a guy like Triquez and say, he's the most experienced and productive corner Oregon's got right now and might need to be the number one. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of guys in that room. I I, I like Dante Man. I think he's going to have a, a good year this year as well. I think there's other guys who who are going to step up. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, he he key player at a key position for this defense, especially this defense has to get better 
in protecting uh, uh, those edges. And they were just getting burned so badly uh, early in the year. And he was one of those guys that was getting burned. So, uh, but uh, so I I do like that. I do like that pick. And I also just like that side of the defense. I think that, um, you know, the back end of the defense tends to get exposed a little bit. uh, And and when they're playing very well, uh, then, you know, they, they get recognition, but other than that, they have to pretty much play a perfect game. And so uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty tough out there. That's what I said. They're on an Island, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that he could be helped as well by a superior pass rush compared to <laughs> what we saw last year, which helps corners uh, a lot. So who's, who's your number one, who do you think could be most improved from last year? Well, I'll stay with the defense. I like the line first. I think Casey Rogers is the guy. I think mm. he takes a next step forward, you know, transitioned in here last year, gets an opportunity to come back another year. I love the idea of another year with the weights, another year with, the community another year with the meal plan he's got the girlfriend he'll probably lock that down and get married you know he's just a guy who's very established and i feel like these guys are the guys who can really set their mind to football and they get a real jump that last run at it you know obviously barring injury and everything else going into the season hopefully this guy's going to have a really good opportunity same kind of a situation probably going to have a lot of playing time had a good year last year got better as the year went on. And one of the guys who did put pressure, it felt like on the quarterback from the defensive line position. Uh, So hopefully we'll see a little more of that. Yeah. And he's someone who I think can improve the most against the pass compared to what he did against the run. You think about his impact plays from a year ago, you know, he made a couple in uh, the Utah game. He had some other disruptive moments. I think he was really solid against the run, but if he can, you know, develop a stronger array of pass rush moves, I think he could turn into an even better player than than what he is right now. I like that pick. I hadn't even really, I hadn't really uh, thought about him there. And, and you know, I, I definitely did not consider Dorless because I just don't think Dorless has that much further to go to hit his ceiling. You know, like right. That's can, a good can he point. improve? Yes, but is there a long way to go? Big jump? Not really. Well, you know, I think what they were doing with Dorless last year is kind of what they were a little bit doing with Cave K- on. They were dropping him in coverage sometimes. They were doing some other kind of weird stuff, just creative stuff with him and. I didn't know if that was necessarily right. I like his hand in the dirt. I like him getting after uh, the quarterback and, and like getting after the offensive linemen and just creating edges and creating angles. And I think that's what he's best at. doesn't mean he can't be a rangy player in space but because uh, he's a hell of an athlete. But I do think that he's he's best suited with hand in the dirt, one focus, get after the quarterback, do your job. Yeah, I agree. And I like him on the interior more than on the edge because <laughs> he's got such great hands and his pass rush moves. He can win one-on-one matchups on the I edge. Agree. But he doesn't have a speed rush, right? You think about Kayvon Thibodeau. He first came to Oregon. He His only move was that speed rush around right. the edge. But if you're right. going to be an effective pass rusher the way we hope Mateo Uyunglele will be, you have to be able to do that. And that's just not Dorless's body type. And I think adding Jordan Burge, putting him out there, kind of allows them to slide Dorless back on the interior. And he'll join a pretty a pretty loaded, uh, you, you know, from a depth standpoint, group of defensive tackles when you put Popo well, in the mix. Yeah, and that's why I just talked about. We, it's a great segue to talk about Popo because we were just talking about this. You know, he's a guy coming off injury, a lot to prove this year, going to be a great addition to this team, already was a great addition to this team before he went down, and a key run stopper. Uh, to, can he advance the game to the next level by getting that pass rush, by getting some other sort of moves, and maybe being a little bit more flexible in the middle uh you know I, I think the time will tell on that one 
Yeah, I, I think you have to, you know, give give some guys time, right? Don't make judgments after the first game. Don't make judgments even after the second game all the time. Like there's there's going to be though, you know, we would like guys to play at a pretty high level in that second game because that's not going to be an easy one down <laughs> at Lubbock. But Ryan and I have each got two more guys who can be big improvement players. I got one offense, I got one defense, and I got one sports book that you need to check out, and that's FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. There's no better place to get in on MLB action than FanDuel. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate, get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. They've got a bunch of other stuff on there as well. If you like betting golf, Highly recommend. I'm sure my man Ryan would as well. I know he was watching the Masters. I was watching the Masters. Rombo getting it done, snatching it from Brooksy. I loved every single second of it. But I love that you can go to FanDuel and not miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's keep it rolling, Ryan. Uh, next guy, I'll go to the offensive side of the ball here who could make you know, the biggest improvement at, by the time the season comes to an end, right? Not, not by the time we get to conference play, but by the time the season comes to an end. I'm going Josh Connerly here on the offensive side of the ball. Again, a guy who Oregon might need to step up, who thrived, I, I think, pretty well in, in his role in the 14J package last year. But now... He's going to be asked if he's the starting left tackle, and I think he should be, to take that next step and not just be a guy who's in there to run block. You got to be able to pass block. You got to be able to understand calls. You got to do, you have so many more responsibilities protecting Bo Nix's blind side there. But the early returns were so good because remember, he went into that 14J package as a true freshman and he surpassed some, you know, a bevy of four star offensive linemen who would love to get in the game as well. But Connerly's got that sort of talent. He's got a new offensive line coach. I think that's a fair question to ask about him, whether or not he can do it. But I, I think that's a guy who could be primed to, to be a really, really high-level player by the time the season comes to an end because he's going to see a lot more playing time, or at least he could. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a gigantic Josh Connerly fan. Uh, I, I, I try not to play favorites with certain players, but certain players become immediately fan favorites for me. And I, I've gone I've grown pretty close with his dad. And, uh, <clears throat> dude, man, I'm telling you, Connerly is ready. He is such an athlete, super heavy-handed, super smart, really, really, really calm, demeanored guy. Those are the guys that will murder you. <laughs> in the, in, in, I mean, these are the guys in really? the – you you want the most calm, calm demeanor dudes. They roll up to the offensive line, set height, and it is on. And he's the type of guy who can just really, really play the game. And you know, I don't know exactly how Lee Terry is going to run with. Um, you know, we've had a couple different styles of offensive line coach theories, right? The can you play every position on the line? Can you be really flexible, or do you just stick in one position? It's going to be interesting to see what, what Coach Terry brings to that. But Coach Cavanaugh is also coming in as an offensive line coach as well with a tremendous amount of experience, like one of the most old school guys out there right now. So it's going to be interesting to see first year head coach with mixed with Coach Cavanaugh, a guy who's been in the game for over 30 years. And, you know, I do like this offensive line. I think Connerly has a real good opportunity to start next year. Uh, I do think with Clem, uh, the, the, he was, he was in the rotation of going to be one of those guys who's going to be on the next level, uh, to start next year or to at least be projected in that position. 
But I also think that the uh, uh, the, the the transfers who've come in are, are going to are going to also make a, a difference on this offensive line. I don't know exactly how much this offensive line this year, early on especially, is going to get just continuous reps at one position. I, I think there might be some movement in there to try to figure out which lineup they like best. I do feel like it's kind of a six play, you know, five can play, you know, six uh, people can play five positions. And I, I think there's a real good solid front up there. Uh, it's just, it depends on kind of who fits where at this point, but I do think that uh, Connerly is a fantastic pick and an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal dude. Yeah. Fascinating to watch how this position group kind of shuffles out or shuffles around during spring football, because it's a blank canvas. And, and you know, my projection when I looked at the offensive line coming into spring football was probably of JPJ at center, Connerly left tackle, Angelo right guard, Jones left, and then Johnny Cornelius at, at right tackle. But there have been not mad, not mad at that. There have been some indications that it might be shuffled around in a different way than that. And so, you know, when when the spring game rolls around, that is something I'm gonna be laser focused on is who is playing where on the offensive line. And, and, and there are question marks, uh, you know, obviously coming off injury for a junior. And, you know, I do think Marcus Harper was a phenomenal player last year. He was and probably really will be good. playing a lot of football, you know, kind of like when we had Brady Aiello and he was, he, he was that sixth man mm-hmm. and find, found a way in at guard, found a way in at tackle. Yeah. It could be a situation there. You know, they might also just move guys around to give guys breather a little bit. You know, it, it, you have, a little bit of breathing room with this offensive line, the way it sits right now, there's a lot of guys in that room that can play. Uh, I do like that lineup. Uh, and I do think that that's going to be pretty much solid. And I, I actually, to go to my next guy, if you want to just jump right into yeah, it, is Jackson yeah, Powers it. Johnson. I think, I think mm. that you have to have the center and you have to have the future of what your offensive line is going to be. I absolutely love this dude. Another guy who I've become very close friends with his dad, an absolute stud. Both these guys' dads, and that's—I think—that's a kind of a common theme with Oregon, <clears throat> and it, it is actually, you know, it's a pretty common thing across most college sports. Most of these kids are really get at, getting after it. They have supportive families. They have other people, even if it's not complete families, where they're whatever they're coming from. They have people in their corner supporting them, right? And it's great to kind of build relationships with some of these guys. And, you know, you kind of get to see where the apple comes from, right? We always said the old school teacher told me apple trees make apples, man. And so it's like when you see these guys, you know, it's really you can get kind of insight into their psyche a little bit. I'm a dad as well, right? We're all kind of in that same age right now. And uh, Jackson Powers Johnson is just all business all the time. Every time I've met him, one, he's a completely towering human being. Absolutely towering human being. I sit at 6'2", 250. I'm usually the biggest guy in the room when I walk into it. He is huge. And he is one of these dudes who's pure meat hands. When he shakes your hands, it is like you're shaking hands with a loaf of bread. And this guy is big. And he is all business and all about football. And he has played both sides of the ball and played very early and played as a freshman. Uh, you know, played played in a position – with a great offensive line that he jumped into as a freshman and just like clockwork. This is a guy who I think is a tremendous situation. Alex Forsyth held down the line for a long time yep. and he's the next guy. I think the hand, the baton gets handed to a uh, Jackson. I think he'll be doing an absolute great job. Yeah. And he's already been a really good offensive lineman too. Right. I mean, when right. he, I mean, PFF grades him really high at that guard position. And when you watch him, man, n- nobody moves him around. You know, no. I've never seen Jackson powers Johnson 
get get moved around on the offensive line. Like at worst, it's a stall. That's like the best defensive linemen have, have really gotten with him, whether you're talking run blocking or especially pass blocking. Yeah. You know, from what I've seen from him, he he just he just stands there, guys try and go at him, and he's just nope. Nope, you're not getting my you're not getting my quarterback today. And he and he would also, if he is the starting center, he would need to make that leap, right? Because that's Absolutely. a lot of added responsibility. A lot Huge. of added responsibility. Alex Forsyth, you know, I mean, he was so good for so long. I think we got kind of spoiled by him. He would, I'm pretty sure this last year, call audibles. He would oh, yeah. he would turn back to Bo and he had the freedom in that offense to be able to go to Bo and say, Hey, they're showing this. We got to do that. Okay, sitting there at guard. And listening to the audible is one thing. Reading the defense, calling it out, and having the wherewithal and confidence to do so, and the trust of your teammates to do so, completely, completely different thing. And, and one of the guys I think who also made a huge difference in that is, is Ryan Walk. You know, who Correct. is my personal favorite, one of my favorite ducks of all time. I mean, this guy goes on the the the, the short list for me personally, but he's a guy who also filled in for Alex at center and from the guard position did really well. Uh, uh, and, uh, I just, I think that the way that the line works is you have to have some new guys come in and you have to have some veterans at all times. It gets dicey when you have one unit grow together. It's great. But as soon as they're out major question marks, and that's ha happened to Oregon a couple times. So it's cool to kind of see right now where you have a natural ebb and flow where a couple guys have left, bring the new guys up. Some guys have stayed. There's some continuity. Bringing uh, back, I think also the coaches is, is a big play. I think, um, yep. you know, having Elite Terry in the building was a real important deal. I went to the pro day. I talked with Penny Sewell. I talked with his family. Talked with Gabe Sewell for freaking like an hour. Like his dad, like literally, I was talking, this we talking, is about what I'm talking about everybody. Oh, we talking, Ryan, Ryan just finds people. Okay, anybody, but you know, everybody. you know how this goes. But you know how this goes. What were we talking about? Golf. So you know, it's, <laughs> he's addicted to golf as well. So it's like. So when we're talking about though, uh, as soon as I talked about with Coach Terry, and I and I talked with Coach Terry too as well. But as soon as we talked about it from the other perspective, other coaches, they were like, "Oh yeah, that's that's an automatic. That's an automatic." And it also keeps in line a little bit of pipeline to Hawaii as well. So I I tend to think that everything's good on the offensive line. It's where you uh, butter your bread, uh, you know, and you have to have it as as an offensive uh, uh, mindset. You have to have your offensive line locked in so you can focus on everything else. And I think the Ducks have that this year. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our, our final picks and then we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit hoops because you were at the Nike Hoops Summit. And I yeah. want your thoughts on Jackson Shellstad there. So my my third pick here for the most improved player by the end of 2023, I'm going back to the defensive side of the ball here. And this is a guy, Ryan, who ha has flashed some great potential, looked like he was lost at times in the defensive scheme in in 2022 and just wasn't you know, quite sure of his assignments, wasn't always confident in his coverage abilities and was, you know, a little soft as a result or was out of position. Just never looked like he quite fit in, but same DC, same head coach, uh, you know, same position coach. I, I look at all that and say, boy, I really feel like this guy could could take a leap because, you know, in his two seasons, he's had some really, really excellent moments. He was also undergoing a position change a little bit because he was recruited as a safety got moved down to linebacker, really struggled against the run. I think man-to-man -man coverage, he was, you know, really good. And zone coverage, he was not as good, and his awareness needs to improve on that front. But you give him an offseason to look at film. You give him an offseason 
to you know work with with his coaches and all that sort of stuff and if you know who i'm talking about by now congratulations you too have figured out that they their answer my third kind of pick to click for improvement here is jeffrey bossa because the thing with him ryan is he was recruited as a safety makes the switch down to linebacker when he makes a play some guys brian addison has this quality too some guys when they make plays it flashes different on your screen because they and dante manning is in this category as well they make these plays and you go boy that doesn't look like everybody else and jeffrey boss's you know impact plays have been more fleeting than i would like them to be at this point but i wonder if a second year in there couldn't result in, in a jump he's got a new number he's wearing number two instead of 33 maybe that's what he needs just a vibe change there i think that's a guy who is going to be able to see the field because in a four-two-five, I think they'll probably have one bigger linebacker, one smaller linebacker. Justin Jacobs will be one. Keith Brown will be a big one. But then you could have Jeff Bossa. You could have Devin Jackson. You could have Connor Soley over there. I, I think Bossa is a guy. I'm I'm doubling down on him. I liked him going into last year. He struggled mightily, but when he makes plays like that sack in the Holiday Bowl, yeah, where. You know, North Carolina, like, half blew the protection, but he just swims the guy, goes and, you know, sacks Drake May, who didn't have a chance to get away from him. I'm like, that's the guy right there that I want to see. Hey, it feels like he fits the mold of maybe what you think Landing wants out of his linebackers, too. He's a great guy. Rangy. Rangy. Yeah, yeah. and, and sideline to sideline, too, right? You got the speed, you know, in a lot of different places. I I, I got a chance to uh, uh, talk with him just the other night. Uh, the Ducks rising. The the NIA, yeah, dude, another one. The NIL, this is like the NIL collective, the Ducks mm-hmm. Rising. They asked me to do like a host with him, like do an interview thing, you know, where I oh, kind of really? like host the Twitter spaces that they hosted or whatever with him. Yeah. It was that for like an hour and we did the whole thing, you know, talk about all that sort of stuff. And great dude. Number two is his high school jersey. Uh, number, he, uh, you know, great player, but uh, just super athletic, you know, and he's he's developed into the football player he is now. You know, and I, I remember when he moved to safety on my channel, uh, I, we were talking constantly about like, oh, uh, you know, this is such a great move because it strengthens the defense. And maybe when he goes back to safety, he'll, you know, take with him other sort of stuff about knowledge about the library. I said, he's not going to safety. He's he's making this move to, to make this move. And, uh, you know, Jamal Hill's in the same boat right now. I mean, he's he's now taking reps at linebacker as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and Jeff talked about that, like his his you know, kind of helping out with Jamal a little bit on that same level. You have to be a special athlete to do that. There's only a certain guys that right. could do that. And, uh, you know, you talked about Brian Addison and I think, God, he just such a great athlete, you know, and such a rangy, rangy guy. These are the guys who you need to make plays. When you say, when you, when they make plays, it looks like a highlight reel, right. but Jeff Bossa is just all business. Great guy. Super, super smart guy. He was the athlete, you know, a best he athlete. He seems like a football junkie state. to me. Football junkie wants what's best for the team. You know, he's going to do what's best for the team, but also, you know, think about it from his perspective. When he said he, when he made that move, he said, that's what the team needed. And he said, they asked him to make that move, that linebacker. And he said, he felt incredibly comfortable in it right away coming into a room with Noah and Justin, those guys obviously uh, probably helped out a little bit for his his training a little bit, but you're right. Justin Jacobs comes in. I think he's going to be getting a lot of rep. And then the guy who I think you're talking about the next player is uh, Keith Brown. I think Keith Brown is a guy mm, who's going to have a huge, that pick. huge pick that this pick. year. Yeah, because he's a guy who's played a lot of football. He's in the same class as Jeff Bossett. Him and Jeff came in yep. together, and 
they both have kind of come to grips with it. They're the middle linebacker core. There's other guys who are going to come in. The other two transfers are going to come in. They're going to definitely play. And the young guys are coming up. But um, I think <laughs> those two guys have proven the fact that they can stay on the field and make plays. And yep. uh, they can support the run and they can uh, support the pass. So I just think that this is such a crucial year for Dan Lanning this year. And these linebackers need to play so much better yeah. this year to prove totally that. Agree. that uh, and there's a lot of pressure on those two guys. Totally agree. And the thing with Keith Brown, too, is he played in 2021 more than I think people remembered. Sure. So I think the biggest thing with him and why I lean towards Bossa is because I don't know. I mean, maybe they will, right? Maybe it'll depend on the situation. I don't know if they'll do two big linebackers at a time, Justin Jacobs and Keith Brown. My guess would be you'd have kind of Jacobs and Brown, you know, on the depth chart at one slot and then Hill, Bossa, Sully, at you know maybe Devin Jackson gets in there at at, at the other slot but I, I tell you and you know the thing for Keith Brown is is it more than one, just one game because that holiday bowl dude he was awesome he wasn't yeah, yeah. good he was awesome I mean he he was a great tackler he was a great blitzer he knew where he was supposed to be like he he, he did a lot of things well I want to wrap up because we got a few minutes yeah. left here Ryan uh you were at the Nike Hoop Summit mm-hmm. and I've talked about on the last couple of episodes here Locked on Ducks the hype train for Jackson Shellstad, mm. you know, it was already kind of there with high volume scoring point guard from Westland High School. We all went, oh, my gosh, second coming of Peyton Pritchard, which would be <laughs> awesome. You saw him live. I, I've just kind of seen little snippets of his game, but the hype train keeps growing and NBA scout was giving him praise. What have you seen from Shellstad? What's Oregon getting in this guy? Uh, well, a, a traditional point guard. I think that's what they've missed, you know, so if yep, you want to just chat basketball for a little bit right you know i think dana altman's always had the traditional point guard he loves a big team but he doesn't like everybody to be 610 he likes there to be a traditional point guard and the traditional point guard is usually six foot six two somewhere in that range is quick enough to be able to get through penetrate through the defense get you a bucket when you need to maybe at the end of the shot clock get people involved uh really good defense up front be able to put pressure on be able to run the floor sideline to sideline all these kind of things that will richardson was not and you know you have not had that for a little bit in time at oregon because you've had some big point guards you got these six five point guards uh it's a very different situation you know so jackson Shellstead, one uh, uh from local area uh, the guy who my school uh, who I, that I teach at, um, he, uh, the, the head coach of our basketball team, his son is the best athlete in our school. He's a uh, D1 athlete. He, he's going to go to Gonzaga for track. Uh, but he grew up playing with Jackson, same basketball team. They've, they've known each other since, like, you know, elementary school, middle school. Uh, grew up in the same kind of area. The, uh, the guy who I work with also is friends with Terry Pritchard as well. So the whole Pritchard family, everything else through Westland, right? Um, then on the other side, I know a guy named Robert Key. Robert Key is the coach of Westland right now, this year, who was the coach at Grant before that. But in my day, he was from Cleveland, where I coached, and I worked with him 20, 30 years ago. Uh, I've known Robert now for, and it's just amazing. I saw him at the Hoop Summit last night. And I'm going to see if I can try to get him on Sports Jacks. I think he would actually give a lot of insight to Jackson's play this year because they had a great year. But he, classic example, he coaches golf. As well, so as soon as we start talking, immediately we just start talking golf. Yeah, like anything we do. The thing that brings us together is basketball, but we just start talking golf. So, but what he said about Jackson is, is you know, the key thing about a point guard in my mind is you make everybody else better. So, does he make everybody else better? He is the star for sure. He is an absolute star. He's an absolute jumper. 
quick dribble. His game is more like Kyrie Irving than um, than probably anything. If I was to give a comp, hopefully his personality isn't. No, God no. But <laughs> ball on a string type of point guard. So guy who has real quick handles. And his thing is, is that kind of like the D'Anthony Thomas thing where D'Anthony said that when he cut, he cut at full speed and he learned to kind of like, as, as he cut, he cut at full speed. Jackson can move with the ball at full speed, which again, just makes him feel faster on the court. Uh, when he got to play with, I like to see him against real talent as much as possible. So obviously Les Schwab invitational, he did great. They won that thing. Then, uh, and they beat the number one team in the country. They beat Bronny's team. Then, you know, with this one, you get to see him against the world competition, but you get to see him also play up against the other USA guys. And uh, just was really great. Came in immediately, made plays, got steals. I had a great little snippet of uh, uh, on my video of the little uh, seven point action that happened where he got the steal, got the, or he got the layup or, or shot. Bronny got the layup and then he kicked it out for the three and he got the three. And it was just such an exciting moment. I was like, oh my God. When was the last time we had that at Matt Court, you know, or Matt Knight, you know, <laughs> it's like immediately we were thinking as ducks, like how could this portray into something bigger? I do think Bronny probably goes to USC. It is what it is. But I do think that Jackson Shellstead is one of those guys who is just a major difference maker. And the two guys that he's coming in with, if they're able to stick it around and maybe generate a little bit of buzz for a year or two, I think they could really benefit themselves in the draft. I think the NIL, maybe hasn't really impacted the basketball as much as it's impacted the football in keeping guys around, but I think it has the potential to. And this is a situation where, you know, you said NF NBA scouts are already taking a look at this guys in high school and uh, they're projecting very nicely. So I think they're going to continue to grow. The bigger thing is, this is the thing I talked about with these guys in Vegas, these coaches and I talked with, they need gym rats. They need guys they want to kick out of the gym. This team has not been that team. These are the guys who've kind of rolled into practice, roll the ball out, thinking everything is good, cut the sweats on, get out of there. You need guys like Peyton Pritchard who are up all night. The cool thing about Jackson Shellstead is, is this guy knows how to work. During his whole upbringing, he looked at Peyton Pritchard. He has a great relationship with Peyton. He's seen that from the, uh, uh, you know, firsthand. And then when COVID happened, he was with Steve Blake the whole time and working with Steve Blake, like one-on-one, -on -one, playing basketball one-on-one. -on -one. And he calls, Steve, he calls Steve Blake Yoda. He's like, dude, and, 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 and he is. I mean, if you go back to Steve Blake in college, one of the greatest college basketball teams of all time that he played on. So he's just an absolute G when it comes to his knowledge. So Jackson's had a little bit of an upbringing that gets you excited if you're a Duck fan of this could be the real one. Almost like The Last Jedi. This could be like the real one, man. Well, we, we, certainly, we certainly need him to because Oregon has <laughs> – well, we don't have to go into all their, yeah, all their yeah. struggles the last, last couple of years. We never struggle when Ryan Winters here. He's Sports Chat 503 on YouTube and Twitter. Ryan, you're the man. As always, good to talk to you. Thank you so much, man. Good luck in the golf game. Yeah, I, I need it. Rough round the other day. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.